welcome to Australian Women Preach, a podcast that aims to raise women's voices in preaching the gospel. Our intention is to model the church we want to be, inclusive, diverse and welcoming. Brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church and The Grail in Australia. Rosa Speranza is an educator who's passionate about the formation of young women in mercy-imbued Catholic schools. She's undertaken academic, pastoral and mission leadership roles across a career spanning more than 35 years in Catholic education in Western Australia. Rosa's involved in social justice actions, including feeding the homeless and tree planting. Hello. Today I am reflecting on Chapter 8 of Mark's Gospel, verses 27 to 35. In this passage, we come to understand better the person of Jesus. I'd like to start by looking at the passage in context. It is found almost exactly at the book's midpoint. It initiates a shift in Mark's writing. The word Christ has not appeared since the Gospel's opening verse. We have had seven plus chapters of Jesus's ministry, questions asked about his true identity and authority, and the notion of identifying Jesus as God's son. He finds himself near Caesarea Philippi, a Roman setting, and here he asks the question, who do people say that I am? I think he wants to determine his reputation in that place and hear from the disciples what they have heard. Before the scene ends, Jesus announces for the first of multiple times his impending suffering and death. He slowly discloses more and more about his identity and fate in this and subsequent passages. In a really interesting way, he also describes what it means to follow him. He challenges them to a discipleship that is about participating He wants them to have more than just knowledge about Jesus's identity, but rather calls his followers to journey actively with him. So in Mark 27, Jesus asks, who do people say that I am? It's a pretty easy question. The disciples simply report on what they have heard among the crowds. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Jesus' ministry of preaching, teaching and healing has indeed resembled that of the great prophets of Israel. The responses are not far off the mark, but they do not quite get to the heart of the matter. Jesus often asked questions to teach and make people think. He would often answer a question with a question, leading people to find answers for themselves. In saying things aloud, they were led to think about situations. In my own career in education, I see the great value of this clever questioning technique. Questions can promote deep thoughts and stimulate critical thinking. They lead to new insights and can generate great conversation. I think this is what Jesus was seeking. Then Jesus asked his disciples, a more pointed question. And you, 
who do you say that I am? Peter is often the first one to speak, so he responds, you are the Messiah. Of course we know that Peter gives the right answer, yet it's not logical. The title of Messiah or Christ was associated in Jewish tradition with an anointed king, a royal figure from the line of David. Nothing in Jesus' life up to now has given any indication of claims to royalty or political ambitions. He hasn't done anything that looks particularly Christ-like. So far, Jesus has made no claim to be the Messiah, and he certainly has shown no sign of taking on the Romans. Perhaps what we are hearing from Peter is what he hopes for Jesus that is to take on that messianic role. He's almost saying, I think that you're the one. I'm expecting big things. Perhaps that's why Jesus tells his disciples to tell no one about him, because he knows that they're still so very far from understanding what he's all about. When Jesus goes on and speaks of suffering, rejection and being killed, Everything he describes would appear to disqualify him from being the Christ. It appears Peter gets the title right, but the meaning wrong. Not only does Jesus' identity include his eventual death and resurrection, it will finally be defined by those things. Clearly, whoever Jesus is, what we believe about his identity, has consequences. And so Jesus has the task before him of redefining who the Christ is and what he will do. Jesus won't be the one wielding power over others. Instead, powerful people will have their way with him. What comes to mind for me is the sculpture by the Brazilian artist Guido Roca, who in 1975 depicts Jesus' crucifixion as an act of terror. It is quite a challenging depiction. As Brandon Robertson says in his Nomad blog, the crucifixion of Jesus was meant to keep the people of Jerusalem in line, to cause them to fear and in that fear to refuse to follow anyone but Caesar. It was an act of terror. They proclaimed that it was people like Jesus that sought to undermine their empire and way of life. Jesus wanted to prepare his disciples for what was to come. He wanted them to be robust and to be very clear about who Jesus is. It would take until after Jesus' death and resurrection for the disciples to really get it. I am is an important phrase throughout the Bible. God first declares this name for himself in Exodus when he appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Moses is concerned about the Israelites asking, well, what is the name of the one who has sent you? Then what shall I tell them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Jesus also uses multiple I am statements. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There are a series of I am statements 
However, I tend to think that we're challenged to better understand who Jesus is so that we can better understand who we are called to be as disciples. What does it mean to follow him, to truly participate in the kingdom? It means to expect the same consequences he faced in life and in death. Mark's view of discipleship is not rosy. Presumably, Mark's original readers understood the costs much better than you and I. Again, Mark chapter 8 offers an extremely difficult description of what we call Christian discipleship. Jesus' disciples are undergoing a very intense apprenticeship with Jesus, and it's about to get far more intense as he begins his journey to Jerusalem. And that's not all. Jesus actually expects his disciples to follow him on this path of suffering and death. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Jesus speaks of losing our lives for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. Taking up our cross means being willing to suffer the consequences of following Jesus faithfully, whatever those consequences might be. It means being willing to lose our lives by spending them on and for others, using our time, resources, gifts and energy so that others might experience God's love made known in Jesus Christ. My husband is an African-American ordained minister in the Uniting Church and following his ordination, he was gifted some lovely religious art that hangs in many rooms in our home. The art and crosses are appreciated by all in the family. And by the time our girls went to primary school in our local Catholic school, our conversations about who Jesus really is became an every night affair. It started with who those Catholics down the road thought Jesus was and then who we thought Jesus was. You see, our art and crucifixes depicted Jesus with skin of a darker hue, like my girls, and his hair of a woolly texture, just like the girls, which is logical. He was a Palestinian Jewish man living in Galilee. Yet every classroom in their primary school had a blonde, blue-eyed, fair-skinned European Jesus, and the girls were confused. So the context of answering the question, who do you say I am, can be a complicated one, given our varying stories of origin. However, it is not about a title or a description of what one looks like. It is the person of Jesus that needs to be explored and understood in this question. So we would read this to our girls each night. Jesus was born among us incognito. He grew up without privilege or status. He walked the way to heaven through the back streets of this world. He told the deepest truths in ordinary language. Jesus touched and healed, blessed and disturbed. Without fear or favour, he showed inclusive love 
in all its unconditional glory. For all of this, he was crucified, died, and was buried, who for all of this and for all of us rose again. Though he is high in heaven, he is present with us here and now. This is who we say Jesus is. You have been listening to Australian Women Preach, brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church, and The Grail in Australia. You can find out more about WATAC at watac.net.au and The Grail at grailaustralia.org.au. The music in this podcast is from the song Truth, from the album Into Silence, by songwriter, musician, theologian and teacher Danielle Ann Lynch. You can hear the full version on Spotify.